Uh, my name is Jalen Flynn. Um, I'm 15 years old. And I go to Consumer Service High School. Um, How were you guys notified that there was a lockdown on campus? Um, about 10 to 15 minutes into during my second period class, um, mm -hmm. our, our principal made an announcement that we were in a level three lockdown. Uh, our teacher uh, didn't really know where a level three lockdown was as well. So he looked it up for us on Google. It's one of the more serious lockdowns in that there's an active shooter on campus to be locked doors, uh, locked, uh, all windows are closed, blinds are closed, and um, students are quiet. Like 30, 40 minutes going by, and I heard that the SWAT team was outside. So I'm midway texting my mom that there's, it's the SWAT team outside. Is it mm -hmm. what's going on? And while I'm texting her, um, our classroom door gets open. So at first I was kind of scared. Cause I was like, maybe that's the shooter. And so the police walked in and then they called my name. And when they called my name, I was, I was like a little bit terrified in a sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they're calling my name specifically. They called my whole name. They said, we're looking for Jalen Flinnery. So I standed up, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like my mom, was able to get me out of class, like, I'm about to go we home. In here. Yeah, we in here, cause we been here. We in here, yeah, we in here, cause we been here. We in here, yeah, we in here, cause we been here. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to another Monday of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen, and it is a pleasure to be back before you one more again. Um, this week, we're talking about trauma or terrorism. You decide. Uh, we are going to be going back over um, the situation that we were notified about last week, and I didn't get a chance to really talk to you guys about it. You guys. It's like cat had your tongue. You were just stunned or something. So we're going to go back through that situation. We're going to kind of process it. Um, and I'm going to read you a couple of things that I got my hands on and we'll go from there. But before we do that, let's go ahead and get some introductions. Let's start with the young king over here in this box up top. Go ahead, Sam. I, I, met, I guess this way. Yeah, there you go. Uh, go ahead, Sam. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Samuel. I'm in fifth grade. I'm homeschooled. And I'm 11. Okay. 11-year-old homeschooler. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. And now where are you located? Okay. Well, when he decides to pop back on, he could tell us that. Uh, go ahead, Melissa. Georgia. <laughs> oh, you in Georgia? Okay, cool. Yes, Georgia. Melissa? Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa, and I'm a 15-year-old sophomore in the Southern California area. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Miss Jada? Hi, I'm Jada. I am a homeschool junior in the Sacramento area, and I'm so glad to be here back with you all. There you go with that Sacramento stuff, but I ain't going to bust you out this week. Uh, so, <laughs> so you guys, oh, you know what? Someone is popping in right now. We're going to give her a chance to introduce herself. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. You late. You tardy for the party, girl. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Anaya, and I'm currently a junior in high school. Perfect. So listen. Last week, we had this situation that popped off here in Elk Grove. Or was it last week? No, no. We found out about it last week. Girl, I don't know. I'm losing. The time is just getting away from me. But we heard about the lockdown at Consumers Oaks High School. We had a chance to talk to Mr. Jalen uh, Flinnery, who was one of the students escorted out by eight deputies. Um, you guys did not say much <laughs> last week. Um, you kind of just sat there and you listened in. So I wanted to give, a, give you a chance to kind of work through and process some of the things that you may have been thinking uh, when he was here. Um, and he may join in a little bit, I don't know. So as you guys were listening to this young man, young boy, he's still a boy, I'm gonna call him a boy because too many people wanna adultify you guys at, at a young age. When you were listening to him kind of detail the things that he was going through and the fact that he thought his mother was coming to rescue him in so many words uh, or less, um, what was going through your mind? And let me go ahead and start with Anaya since she was late to the party. Um, it made me feel happy that like 
he was thinking that there was a way out of it, but also it made me feel really sad after knowing that his mom wasn't coming. Like his mom didn't even know that mm-hmm. he was a suspect. Well, it sounded like he didn't know he was a suspect. Do you find that weird um, that he didn't know that he was a suspect and they just came in there? Jada, what do you think? I do find it weird. Um, Honestly, I'm not surprised though. I mean, he's a young black boy. I mean, this is nothing new within the uh, educational system, how they target us. It's nothing new to me, so I'm not surprised. Um, And having having to hear uh, him talk about his experience in detail and how he was feeling and everything that was happening, it was kind of emotional. It was actually wasn't kind of, it was really emotional. Um, I think I had said before, I could only picture some of my friends that I know and just having to picture them being walked out of the class by seven, eight deputies. And it was really heartbreaking to hear how he really thought his mom was coming to get him or his mom had called for him and he was leaving and then having to be searched and it like surrounded by seven, eight deputies and you see what's going on in the world and how they're already treating us out there, how some of us are dying in the hands of them. So I would be scared out of my mind and I can only imagine how traumatizing that is. Samuel, do you think he should have been afraid? of the deputies? Do you think that that's something that's automatic? Yeah, you always, as a, as a black person, you always kind of feel uncomfortable around law enforcement. But when, when eight deputies are bringing you out, taking you out of school, I, I would be terrified. Because... What? Whether you did something or not, right? Whether you did something or not, you right. would be terrified, right? Right. Because I, I don't know what's going to happen after this. Because many black people and black boys have been killed by the mm-hmm. hands of police officers. So I I don't know what I would do. I, I would just be just. Yeah. Do you think that he did the right thing in the way that he responded? Anaya, what do you think? Let's go to Anaya and then I'll come back to you, Sam. Do you um, think that I he think did? He did. I mean, he followed like, you know, when people tell, um, teach black people, like when you get pulled over, just listen to what the police officer says, you know, like, so I think he did that well, just, um, you know, listening to what they were saying, not talking back, because I understand how he was scared and why he was scared, rightfully so. So when you guys talk about fear, let's talk about this fear thing, because I think that a lot of times when administrators or teachers talk to Black students, right, um, they think that, you know, there's no reason for you to be afraid. So can we talk about what is that fear based in? Let's talk about what that fear is based in. Jada, what do you think? What what do you why do you think black folks are scared or black students are scared when they have to interface with police officers or administrators for that that matter? Because throughout history, even back dating to like the 1600s, like throughout history, they have always done us wrong. There's not one instance, well, there are a couple, but it's in our history where they have beaten us, killed us, done so many horrible things to us. So for us to like feel like, oh, we're safe with them, we're safe with them, after seeing what our past history was like and how it continues to carry on into now, it there's no, I haven't, you guys haven't given me a reason for me not to be afraid because you guys are constantly attacking or murdering our people. I as much as I don't want to be afraid because the only person that I should fear is God and my parents, I am afraid because my life is on the line. I feel like my life is on the line every time I'm in your presence. And that's scary. Melissa, is it rational uh, for black students to be afraid of law enforcement or, and, or their administrators? Is it a rational fear? Absolutely. And I think it would be ignorant to say that it's not a rational fear. I mean, we have all of these examples. The reason we have this podcast is because students are afraid and feel like they can't say anything because the education system, law enforcement, everything is rooted against us. So I absolutely think it's a rational fear. We have all of these stories every single week, personal stories, people we know, people we don't know all across the country of these administrators bullying 
students, black students. We have law enforcement and police officers killing people that look just like us. So I absolutely think it's a rational fear. I'm sad to say that it is, but it is. Okay. And I see that uh, young Mr. Flannery is in the building. I'm going to wait for him to turn on his camera to make sure he's connected before I bring him on the screen. Um, but while we're waiting for that, um, you know, there's been this week alone. Um, I, I'm, oh, okay. He's in the car. That's why. Okay. So JD, you could bring him up. So this week alone, um, we've had a bunch of complaints come through. Um, a lot of them have to deal with you know, black boys. And, uh, and I'm starting to see a pattern, a pattern where um, they are not asked what happened. A narrative is created for them. Um, and so I'm just, I'm, it's been, a, it's been, and it's only Monday. And I said this week, actually the complaints came through. We had three complaints come in Friday, right? Um, and, and, and it's levels to this thing. And so Jalen, first of all, how are you? I'm so glad to see you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. You doing good? So are you coming from school? Yes, I just came from school. How are you feeling on campus now? Uh, I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm usually staying by myself now with my teachers that I'm comfortable with. Okay, so it's affected the way that you move. You're moving, like... Uh, yes. It's Okay. Okay. And there's some feedback coming back. So I don't know if we need to wait till you get home or what. Um, but we definitely want to hear from you. Um, yeah. So he popped off. So listen, y'all, there have been, like I was saying before he popped in, so he's doing better. Right. Um, should he, should the burden be on him? to kind of pull it together and show that resilience um, to make it through the end of the semester? Should that burden be on him? What do you think, Samuel? Is it his responsibility? No, it's not his responsibility to carry that burden because if you just ball up traumatic experiences and and oh, uh, let them build up, build up. One day they're gonna explode mm -hmm. into all, all of this rushing to your mind, fear, anxiety, all just rushing at once, and you don't know why. But mm -hmm. because you stuffed it down so much, then it just rushes back up, and then you don't know what what to do about it. Right. So, Mr. Jalen, um, do you think that you're um, suppressing? How are you how are you working through the trauma that you went through? Are you seeing somebody? Is somebody helping you through? Um, usually at school, I go talk to one of my teachers. I talk to mm -hmm. her every day. She just asks me how I'm doing and just checking up on me. OK. And so is that the only person you're working with to kind of process what you went through and why you felt that way because Samuel was just saying that sometimes we uh you know suppress the things that we are going through just to keep it moving right just to yes. keep it keep it fluid so do you think that um do you think that that's what you're doing you're just trying to put it behind you and move forward yeah I'm, I'm trying to move forward but I'm also talking to family as well like my uncles or cousins just as just hearing their experiences as well that happened to them. Oh, okay. So y'all comparing experiences. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, another thing. So you have family members who have really had experiences with law enforcement. Um, yes. And, and so you guys are talking about the experiences. Does that change or does that impact the way that you view law enforcement? What happened to you, even though it was the school who kind of, precipitated the events that that we saw unfold yes it definitely changes uh, the way i think about law enforcement do you do you think they hold some responsibility or do you think that they were following orders or instructions uh, i think both they was oh. they should hold responsibility but also they were following their orders but i feel like they should know what's right and know what to do in the right moment in that situation 
Now, what, what folks will say, though, is that, you know, law enforcement didn't know anything. They got the information from somewhere. All they know is there is a suspected shooter. I don't know what information they were given. So do you give them the benefit of the doubt in any way? Or do you think that they just came on there to do that and, and do that to, to the students? I think they just came to do it to the students. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's a horrible, horrible thing that you have to think. Because I, 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 I was sitting here and I was talking to your mom um, after your principal sent this statement. And I'm, I'm just going to start reading it and we're going to go piece by piece, guys. Um, so, mind you, I, I hadn't, I don't know if, ask mom if this is the first statement he had released um, prior to her. Is this the only statement you guys got from the principal regarding okay. that incident? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So listen to his his uh, statement, and then I'm going to get some reactions. It says, Dear parents, guardians, and staff, as you are aware, on Friday, October 29th, at approximately 10.05, school officials at Consumers Oaks High School called for a precautionary lockdown. I want y'all to take, just pay attention to it. Show, pay attention and we'll go over it. Um, due to a witness report stating that they saw another student on campus in possession of a gun. Because Elizabeth Pinkerton Middle School is co-located on the same property of CHOS, or COHS, that school also went into a precautionary lockdown. So I'm gonna stop there. What stuck out to you about that first that first uh, paragraph? Go ahead, Melissa. Precautionary lockdown when last week they claimed that it was a level three lockdown. Do the do you believe? And because I don't know, maybe somebody can Google it. Do you believe that they're playing with word salad at this point because they know they messed up? Yeah. Okay. Let me keep going. Second paragraph. All protocols and procedures of the precautionary lockdown were followed by staff and students to secure the school and parents were promptly notified about the lockdown. Due to the concern of possible concealed weapons on campus, school officials called Sacramento County Sheriff to respond to a report of a possible weapon on the school campus. What stuck out to you there? Um, that parents were notified. Okay, promptly notified. Okay, uh, what else stuck out? Let me help you. All protocols and procedures of a precautionary lockdown were followed by staff and students. I'm not sure where they got precautionary, but we're going to keep going. School officials provided law enforcement with a witness report the witness viewed current student ID photos to determine if there were any potential matches to the individual they observed with a possible gun. To address the imminent safety concerns, students identified by, by the witness were asked about possible, I'm sorry, were asked about possession of gun and searched by law enforcement in adherence with, with established procedures and respect for personal dignity. Students were immediately returned to class after officers checked the students. What stuck out? They gave the students the personal dignity. Dignity. Did, did do you believe that happened? No. Why or why not? Why not? Because like, how are you gonna do do this specifically? Like, take the call them by their full name, take them out of class, a step, like do five to 10 probably deputies, in this case it was eight for him, and, mm -hmm. and then just ask them these random questions even if they don't match the, wit the witness report of how they look. Oh, mm -hmm. well, they're black, so may as well oh. take a guess. You, 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 maybe you, yeah, you come with us too. Mm. 
Somebody says, shout out to Sac County PD for being so extra. They triggered three civil rights cases in Rancho in the last few years. And you're right, they, ha they have. Um, I, I think the problem with it, first of all, you let us gave student access to other students' bios on campus and allowed him to go through them. I don't care what he says like about uh, student view, current student IDs. Well, why did you need to do that if you have video cameras on campus? Why do you need to go through, you know, their their records and pull their photos if you have, I'm, I'm being told that new cameras were, were put on that campus two years ago and that they had steals of the alleged perpetrator and they still let somebody go through the, the thing. And it said the witness, uh, they provided the witness report, but what the 911 log from last week said is that staff gave the names of the students. Like I'm gonna need somebody to tell the truth around here. Um, let me go to the next paragraph. A thorough campus search, which included all classrooms and open common spaces was completed and no weapon was found. So they did all this, be okay, keep going. Law enforcement lifted the lockdown at 1210 and parents were updated on the campus situation. Now I could, I could swear that Jalen's mom said she was contacted six hours afterwards, but let me. Um, school officials contacted parents whose students were searched and will continue to provide support to students and families as needed. What support they provide you with, Jalen? They should. They show no support at all. It says they will continue to show support. So they didn't. Yes. They didn't show anything. They didn't. They haven't supported you in any way. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> so they. Hear me? they hear me? Yeah, we we can hear you. We can hear you just fine. Um. So they pro okay. they pro they saying they're providing support. So this seems like I don't know who wrote this, but it sounds like the cover up is on. And why I say that is they're putting all of this on law enforcement when they triggered this situation, right? Let me go to the next one. Since the precautionary lockdown on Friday, a student informed school officials that they brought a black barcode scanner to school last Friday and that it could have been the item the witness saw. The student admitted to having passed it to a friend within view of other students and confirmed that they had put the scanner in their side pocket with the scanner hand grip showing. Now, last week during the, uh, the little 911 call, they said it was a semi-automatic pistol with a something grip. Yeah, that's what they said. Um, the clothing and physical description the student witness had provided did match the individual who came forward regarding the possession of the scanner why they didn't find him during the sweep because he came forward after the fact day after week after when when he come forward i need to know when he came forward and why they didn't find him during the initial sweep where was he at he matched the physical description what, what was the physical description anybody remember physical description oh let me find it physical description Student, black male juvenile, 5657, gray sweats, white shirt, red backpack. The principal said this individual had on everything that the witness said he had on. Except for the witness description changed it four or five times. But he had on exactly what they said. Whatever that was, whichever version, he had on exactly what they said. And I don't know about y'all. Have you seen one of them scanners in, in, in the supermarket? Yeah, you have? I mean, y'all not talking to me. I see your faces. So y'all seen those in the supermarket. Have you ever mistaken one for a gun? Why or why not? Speak to me. Why or why not? Because a gun would like... It would look different because a scanner it has a it it's short the the um the top of it it's not long like a gun like it's not like it's not like a five inch 
barrel. Top. Mm-hmm. It's just like what, like an inch or so. It's it, if anything, it looks like um a, a ice cream cone and then ice cream on top instead of a gun. <laughs> well, that's a good way to explain it, Sammy. That's a good way. But I'm still stuck because they said the clothing and physical description of the witness had had provided did match the individual who came forward. Now, I also noticed it said the student admitted to having passed it to a friend. So who, which description, who was describing who? Was it the friend who initially passed this barcode to his friend? And that friend was who the description fit? Or did it fit the original person who had it and passed it? Like, I'm confused. I don't know what he's talking about. Somebody needs to start asking some questions. And then it says, based upon this new information, the district has concluded that the original witness report regarding a possible gun sighting has been resolved and was likely to be a barcode scanner, not a gun. Which one of these boneheads actually went through the videos or actually went through the suite finding something that could possibly be a gun? Because this is the first I'm hearing of this. How many of y'all got problems with what you're hearing? Let me tell you, let, let me just finish this real quick. It said, we thank those who made the initial report and we thank those who came forward realizing they could have been the reason for the misunderstanding. Why wasn't he traumatized and pulled out if he matched the description of the person given? What you about to say, Jada? I see you trying to unmute. What you trying to say? It it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't all this just doesn't make sense to me. At this point they're making up a story to fit because they they got called out. They got caught up in their lies and so they're trying to find a story that matches whatever actions they thought were appropriate. And it's funny to me cuz they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's wearing the same thing, everything. He's wearing everything that we described." So then how'd you not find him? How many black boys did you have to traumatize to get to the actual person? Come on, Jada. Come on. (laughs) Anaya. (laughs) I completely agree. Like their story last week compared to this week, it's like contradicting itself. It's like they don't even know the truth. They're just making up stuff at this point. Or the truth is that they just want to target black boys. That's their truth. Mm. Mm. So we got specific names of potential suspects over here. But all along, they had somebody on campus that matched their description to a T and they didn't find him, but they got to, they pulling out random black boys, not even dressed like, come on, man. Stop it. Stop it. Stop the madness. Um, But let me finish. It says, we will continue to provide support to our students and families regarding this matter as needed. The school and our district will continue to collaborate with local emergency service agencies to ensure our campus is safe for students and staff. And my question is, which students? All students or some students? Black students or just white students? Who are we making the the campus safe for? Because on uh, that day, it wasn't safe for Jalen Flannery or any of those other black boys they pulled out with eight deputies going into their classroom with, in Jalen's case, no administrator in sight. Who are we making the campus safe for? Who are they making the campus safe for? It's ridiculous. And I need parents to start asking questions when things don't sound right. This is egregious. This letter, this this uh, excuse, this narrative provided by the district, absolutely not. Not okay. What you gonna say, Jada? And that excuse of a letter is only for the parents who's, it's for the parents specifically, because I know they were trying to sweeten up their words a little bit for the parents specifically that had to have their child pulled out of class. Because they know these black pa- these black parents are like they black children are about to act up because that's unacceptable. They're trying to sweeten. Oh, you know, there's a reason for this. There's, there's no reason for you traumatizing my kids. There's no reason at all, at all. 
I mean, and I honestly, I don't think that this letter was for those parents. I think this letter was for the parents whose students weren't pulled out. See what we did? We made it. It's all better. We found the, the, the person. It, it wasn't none of those that we actually pulled out of the class or made get on the ground or get searched. But we found him. See, he came forward. How he get the opportunity to come forward? I agree. Because if it was for the black parents, they would have had some sort of apology. They, if they actually cared, they would have had some sort of apology. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for all of the students who it wasn't that we pulled out. You know, we made a mistake, but there was none of that. So it was for the white parents and the parents of the students who did not get pulled out of class. They didn't have to go through all of that. If they really cared, there would have been some sort of action or words that showed that they actually did care. Let me ask you this. Why do you believe there was no apology? Because they don't care and their actions were intentional and they knew what they were doing when they did it. Mm. I lean more on, on the reasoning of this next comment. If you apologize, you acknowledge that an error was made, right? When you admit to an error being made, you open yourself up to liability and lawsuits. Understand the game, right? That's why you will never, or most times you will never see an apology from people who do this. Hey, Mr. Savino, we miss you and the girls. Hey, 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 ladies. Uh, so I, I'm just, I'm just, oh, yeah. We have to be, be critical thinkers when things like this come across our, our, our table, our email or whatever, because what these folks will do, first of all, they hire whole PR departments to come in and make excuses for bad behavior. I know because I majored in comms and I have a whole degree in media communications. They hire people to come in and absolve them of their responsibilities. When they make mistakes, they find somebody who's good at crisis management. This wasn't it, but they normally find somebody good at crisis management. Somebody like y'all, y'all seen Olivia Pope on, on Scandal, you know, she come in and save the day and she changes the narrative. We're going to put up a stop sign. We're not changing narratives. They traumatized a group of black male students because of their incompetence and not locating the person who was dressed exactly like the witness said. <laughs> How ridiculous does that sound? They think we're a bunch of dummies. They think we don't have no sense. They think we don't have reasoning skills. They think we're just going to take them at their word. And as you guys are coming up behind us, right? That's adults. So Y'all are going to be coming into your formative years and you're going to become adults soon. Some of y'all sooner rather than later. I would encourage you to start looking at things with more analysis. Why it takes so long for them to send this letter out. This incident happened October 29th. They sent out this letter um, it looks like November 4th at 8.09 p.m. And I have a problem with that. You traumatized my son, 10, 29, 21. Don't be sending me no, first of all, if you traumatize my son, what I'm gonna need is a personalized letter asking or telling me, detailing for me why you took the actions you did against my son. That's what I would want. Not that, not that I would believe it, but that's what I would want. Don't send me no group message. Go ahead, Sam. It purposely took almost a week to came, come out with the statement to like correct, to correct it around what they want to do, what they want to say, what they want to craft as to what to have as a narrative, like craft a narrative, and they wanted to be, but you, you should be. Releasing a statement at least 
hours after or a day after, not a week, to try to use correct wording. No. You you have traumatized black students and you again. Need, again and you need to address it right now. Cause this is a problem. You shouldn't yeah. be waiting to try to figure out your words. No, you should address it right then and there and actually try to take action and try to change how you operate in that type of situation. Because if you don't and you just try to do this for a PR uh, thing, it's going to happen again. Yeah, you're right. And it's not lost on me that this statement came out the day, I believe it was the day after the news story came out, um, where the family was here in the office with me and we did a news story for ABC 10. Um, so this came out the day after that. Um, so I, it's not lost on me. I think everything happens uh, for a reason. Um, they had to try to, you know, temper the response of their inadequacies in this situation. Um, and so, you know, we, we look forward to even still sitting down with them um, and having the conversation. Uh, unfortunately for them, um, I don't I don't believe them. Um, and so I'm going to have me a list of questions. I think I submitted at least 16 questions that I wanted to answered immediately. Um, I still have not heard from that principal. Um, I'm waiting to hear from that principal. In the meantime, uh, young Mr. Flinnery is back on, on campus, um, you know, because he, he has goals and his goals include um, leading his team to a championship, I suppose. Um, and so do you think that when things happen like this, that students should stay um, in that environment when you're mishandled? Do you believe students should stay in that environment? Go ahead, Sam. I personally don't think so. I think that I I would take them out of school if it was my kid or it was me. I would want to be taken out of school for probably a few months, see what they try to do to try to change. Mm -hmm. And then if they do, if they do those set of changes and uh, like changes inside of the school, then possibly I'll come back to, to the school. Possibly I'll be re-enrolled as, as a student. But if they just do nothing, they say, they say they're, they they just give give a statement and then they never talk about it any uh about it again. They never do anything. They just they just say here's the statement. Oh oh okay, this is done. Bye. Then I'm not coming back to the school mm. because that proves that that this can happen again and they won't change a single thing. Hmm. Okay. Um. Let me go, Jada, because I know you trying to get back to school. I know you trying to, you know, that's one of your goals. You want to get back into public school. Um, we disenrolled you at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but do you understand his desire to want to stay at school? Um, I do. Um, I feel like if that was my kid, um, before I pulled him out of school, knowing, you know, parental wise, I want to protect my kid at all, all costs. But I also want to make sure that they still have sort of a say so in this because they went through the traumatic experience. I can't talk for them. So it's like, how are you feeling? Do you feel like you still want to go back to school even after you've experienced what you've experienced and are aware or cautious that it could happen again? Do you still want to go back into an environment that treated you so poorly that you trusted would teach you, would treat you with respect and care and kindness and love? And if they wanted to, I would let them go back. And I can understand why, you know, um, it would be, it would be, it would be a strange readjustment to your life. Um, you know, all your friends are there. Um, you're still pursuing something educational wise. 
you know, sports. I mean, yeah, you could find that outside, but he has it right now. And I don't, I can't talk for him, but I don't think that I would want to restart when I'm already in a place that has all of that. Um, so yeah, I think that's where my perspective is at. Anaya? Um, so I would want to pull my child out of school, but also I'd want to get those people fired that did that to my child, you know, try to do that. But, you know, I mean, focus would be on my child. Um, but like Jada was saying, you know, talk to him, talk to them. Like, do you, do you feel okay going back? Like, how can I support you? What, what do you need me to do for you? If they mm-hmm. say, yeah, I'm fine. I'll go back. No, you're not fine. I'll let you go back. We need to talk about how you're feeling. You know, because that's a very traumatic thing. You can't just wake up one day and say, I'm fine. My trauma's gone. I trust these people again. Because, you know. So, you know, if they want to be taken out, of course I'm going to take them out. You know, but yeah. So you're saying give him a choice. You would give him a choice. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Melissa, what do you think? I think it's a little hard and I think it's more complicated than just giving him a choice. Like I totally understand and I probably as a parent, I think I would also give my child a choice, but it's really hard because it's not just the people at the school that did that. It's the education system and it's, it's law enforcement and it's all of these systems that, like I said earlier, are rooted against us as black students and as black people. So it's hard to want to even send your child back to not just this school that did something terrible and traumatizing to him, but to another school that could do the same thing because he is a black student. So it's so hard to even give him a choice. Do you want to go here or to another school knowing that the same thing could happen? It's a heart problem with all of these people who that created these systems. So it's, it's hard. I mean, at the end of the day, as a parent, I would give him a choice because it is his life. And these things are going to happen to us as black people. And it's so hard to even have to say that because it's a reality for all of us. So I mean, I would give him a choice, but it's it would be a really hard choice to make as a student and also as a parent. Well, I'm going to just tell y'all. Um, uh, go ahead, Jada. I saw you come off mute before I start talking. Let me put it back to you. And backing up what Millie said, um, Melissa, backing up what Millie said, um, I, if a parent is coming from the perspective of, I want to protect my child from this, like I could send them here and I could send them there, but they're always going to experience it. I want to protect them from it. Unfortunately, because we are black, because he is a black boy in America, because I'm a black female in America, you can't protect us from this because if we don't experience here, okay, you could protect us from here now, but we're gonna experience out there at a job, at the movies, just walking down the street, it's gonna happen. So I think the mindset of, I wanna protect them from it, you can protect them from as long as you can, but once they get out there, I I pray. I pray for yeah. people. And, and I understand what y'all are saying as students. I do understand that. Um, but let me make something abundantly clear. As a parent, it is my duty to step in and make the decision for you that you don't have the skill set to make right now. And I know that's very hard for y'all to hear because some of y'all think you're grown, um, but you are still children. And my thing is I'll be damned if I subject my child to people who have proven to me that they are incapable of dealing with him in with compassion or asking him in a way that would preserve his dignity. What they did was paraded this child out of his classroom, flanked by eight deputies. In a social climate where black people have continually been abused and, and misused um, by law enforcement. I'm not saying these law these particular law enforcement folks even did it. I don't care. You subjected my black son to an event that will forever scar and traumatize him. And for that, I would pull my kid. I would. I would put him in the best possible place um, to make new friends, to be on a new team, to deal with some people that I know got some damn sense because th- this campus is not one of those campuses. That's just me. And I understand that I am not his parent. They wouldn't have a choice or a chance to do it again. They wouldn't. Um, because I think a lot of times if parents were to cre- create trauma for their children, CPS would get involved. 
And they would say that you had a failure to protect your child and your child could be removed from you, from your home, because you didn't protect them when you knew, because now this, this is a pattern, right? We've seen them establish something. When you knew something was detrimental to them, you as a parent did not act. And CPS can call that failure to protect. So it's 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 a bigger issue than than what you guys and I don't expect you to know all the intricate details or any of that. I don't expect you all to know that. But understand that there are things that they do and that they hold parents to that they don't hold these administrators to. These administrators can misuse, abuse, do whatever they want to do and they suffer no consequence because they are protected. Does that make sense? So I understand y'all not wanting to get away from friends. Are you crying? What you better stop crying. <laughs> yeah, but it's a tra it's traumatic. It's traumatic if parents don't act, they hold us responsible. So why should they get a pass for not acting? I need y'all to think about that. We have to hold them to a higher standard. Y'all are with them a majority of your time in your day, Monday through Friday. Y'all are with them. They are supposed to protect all students. That's what his old stupid statement said. Let me just read that part again because I want y'all to get it. The school and our district will continue to collaborate with local emergency services to ensure our campus is safe for students and staff. What students? Elk Grove is number one in the state for disproportionate discipline of black children. And we're continually adding more and more black children and suspensions and expulsions to the list because we got a bunch of people in positions that need to be let go. They're not cut out for this. And we have to talk about it. Hearing all students in that letter and how seeing how they treat us black students kind of made me think back to um, how they said all men are created equal because they weren't talking about us. So mm. hearing that, mm, are you talking about all students? Because you can't be talking about black students the way you just portrayed how y'all actually feel about us, how y'all actually care for us. It can't, it's impossible. It can't be talking about us. Mm. That's a good point. Yes, Sam? All men are created equal, said by, said by the owner of the biggest land plantation in the U.S. is like, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? How are you? How are you gonna say this? Are you gonna say all men are created equal and that you own the biggest slave plantation in the U.S.A.? It makes no sense. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. I agree, Sam. But I need y'all to start looking at things with critical eyes, right? Don't believe everything everybody is saying to you. Ask some questions. Look into it. Because if we had not met Mr. Uh, uh, Flinnery and his mother, uh, young baby Jalen Flinnery and his mother, if we wouldn't have met Dad Flinnery, um, we wouldn't know exactly what transpired, right? We would just be stuck with this stupid statement and be like, oh, well, case closed. It was a scanner. Like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're still going to be held accountable for that. You have to be. Right? You don't get to just get away with that. Oh, it was a scanner. No harm, no foul. <laughs> we didn't find a gun because there wasn't one. He was dressed exactly like the witness said, but we didn't find him. What, 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 what manner of foolishness is this? Like what? And yet you have, you've left these boys behind and it's like, oh, go back to class. Everything's good now. Lockdown lifted. We only paraded you in front of him and, and had social media posts about you being walked out by deputies shared across social media. No big deal. But they never thought about the students that they were affected, that they were affecting. They never thought about it. And my question is, did they have to? 
Did they have to think about it? Because it seems like they've been given a blanket immunity and it's time to rip that blanket off and let them get cold or hot or whatever. They never cared. So to say that they're going to continue to work with emergency services in this case, honestly, I I don't fault the deputies. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't fault the deputies. This was a situation where you had staff do things that they shouldn't do, like give out names for people who probably had nothing to do with it or let people go through the database or you know, continue, you know, to traumatize everybody, putting a level three lockdown. Now they're referring it to a precautionary lockdown. Why would, why would the students lie about saying it was a level three lockdown? What, what, what benefit would that give them? Who knows what a precautionary lockdown is? Somebody find that. Somebody find that, that definition. And I think I, I gave uh, out some assignments. Sam, what is the definition of trauma? Tell me. Okay, so uh, the definition of trauma is emotion, is emotional reaction to a terrible event like an accident or a natural disaster or something. Jada, what is the def? Huh? What did you uh, say, Sam? So trauma is an emotional reaction to a... Um, to a horrible event, like say an accident or a natural disaster. Those are the examples. Okay. And right. there, are, there are three types of trauma. Acute trauma, which is just one occurrence. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's chronic trauma where it's repeated or prolonged domestic abuse or Mm-hmm. domestic abuse and then there's complex trauma where it's multiple occurrences that have happened all building up into one okay all right well thank you for that information miss jada uh you looked up the definition of terrorism yes yes i did it says here that terrorism is defined in the code of federal regulations as the unlawful use of force and violence against persons or property to, to intimidate or coerce a government, the civilian population, or any segment thereof in furtherance of political or social objectives. Mm. Okay, and then it looks like, who did you find the, uh, who's going to read that? Melissa, go for it. A precautionary or code yellow lockdown is a process where a school enters into a heightened state of alertness and security to ensure that staff and students will be prepared to react quickly in case of an emergency. During a precautionary code yellow lockdown, staff and students continue with the business of teaching, learning, and other normal school operations in the secured campus. Precautionary Code yellow lockdowns are commonly called when law enforcement advises a school of police activity in the area or where dangerous wildlife wanders onto the campus, such as bears, depending on location. Mm. Anaya, look up for me again. Level three lockdown, please, because that don't sound right. And I see uh, young young Mr. Jalen is uh, back in, in the room. Um, I'm going to wait till he turns on his camera to make sure he's actually there. Um, but if that is what a precautionary lockdown is, uh, we, we, he got some explaining to do. Because teaching stopped. Yes, that's what we were told last week. Teaching stopped. They locked all the doors and went secured the windows. And they were supposed to be quiet. That's what I heard last week. Did y'all hear that when he was talking? Is that what he said? So what is this precautionary code yellow lockdown foolishness? What is that? Anaya, did you find it? (laughs) You looking for the unmute? (laughs) Yes. Go ahead and read it to me. What is it? So it says level three emergency. This level is initiated when the incident possesses a significant threat to the safety of students at the affected school and result in the most substantial steps being taken to minimize student, faculty, and public safety. Mm. 
Okay. So which does it sound more like? Does it sound more like level three or does it sound like precautionary to you guys? Come on, y'all. Level three. Sounds like level three because even I found the same thing Anaya's reading. Some of the examples are classroom doors will be locked and everyone will remain inside, close any shades, drapes, or blinds, turn off lights, cover windows. So that's exactly what he described to us last week. Mm. So again, we got some, somebody got some explaining to do. They just sat up here and tried to pull one over fast. And we got to stay 10 steps ahead. So I, I'm just, I'm just saying like, we got, we got to be critical in the way that we look at things in the, the way that things are coming to us, because what they don't want are people who are aware of what's really transpiring. So when I go to the school board meeting next week, I think it's next week. When I go to the school board meeting, I got some questions. I want to know what the hell happened. And who do they think they are? And what are the protocols and the procedures that they were supposed to follow? Because I also remember mom saying last week that she kept asking what the protocols and procedures were. And they told them that they couldn't tell her because they didn't want anybody else to find out how they respond to these type of incidents. That's what I thought I heard. So what are we talking about? I, I want to see the protocols and the procedures. What are students supposed to do? And then I want to know what services they're going to be offering the boys who were pulled out of class and paraded in front of their, their classmates like common criminals. That's what I want to see. And then hopefully we will see parents who are just fed up with the foolishness and some lawsuits start to follow. Because if you're telling me that the person described by the witness had everything that the witness said he had and you didn't find him, there's a problem. What's up, Sam? I would say child endangerment. There have been several, uh, it has been plentiful that police are known to brutalize and beat black boys so there's there's hundreds of cases probably thousands so you can make an argument definitely make a very a very substantial case that they have endangered your child by mm. having by having police officer just swarm them and make them out as a criminal there you go. Look at that brain working. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because if we're not going to um, really deal with what we're looking at, some people need to be unemployed. Some people need to lose their jobs behind this. And I think I told them that in the letter. I think so. If I didn't, I'll make sure to tell them in the meeting. Because we cannot allow this type of foolishness to continue to happen. Um, and like I keep saying, unless we have a mass pulling out of Black students in this district, I don't think anything is really going to change substantially. I really don't. I don't. Because they know that there is no consequence for their non-action or for them brutalizing our babies. They know it. They expect some of y'all parents... I'm not talking about y'all specifically, but they expect some parents to just get mad for a second, come cuss them out so they could slap them with restraining orders and keep it moving. And we got we got to figure out a different way. We got to figure out a different way. So with that, we've run out of time for today. Um, I want to thank y'all for being open and honest and, and sharing your, your ideas and, and, and your thoughts. I want to thank everybody who actually engaged in, in the chat um, because the more we talk about these things and we blow the covers off of it and we understand that these are not isolated incidents, that these are not unique incidents or unicorns of incidents, 
long as we understand that and we keep the conversation moving, I believe we can change the trajectory of some of these things that are happening. Uh, we invite you to go ahead and follow us on Spotify or subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Black versus the Board of Education. We also invite you to visit our student store and grab you some BBBOE gear. If you don't know, that's Black versus the Board of Education gear um, and support our students. Um, we'd like to thank... Um, you know, just people who've been paying attention to us and, and the grant that's on the way to fund our communications outreach uh, because of this podcast, we want to thank um, them as well. And once we get that uh, check in hand, we'll make that uh, uh, more visible to everybody. But we'd like to thank you. Uh, we're going to hit you with the wave. We're going to see you next week right here on Facebook and YouTube live at four o'clock. Take care. <laughs>